Hi, it's Connor Svensson here, founder and CEO of Web3 Labs, and this is your week in blockchain on Monday, the 19th of July, 2021. The highlights this week include Grayscale are looking to target their first ETF, the latest updates on Binance's regulatory challenges, Square is to create a new Bitcoin platform for financial services, the Ethereum DeFi ecosystem has hit 3 million users, and the social experiment contained within Damien Hurst's NFT project. Our leaders this week, so Grayscale, uh, their their main crypto fund is looking to become an SEC reporting company. The large cap fund uh, represents a weighted group of some of the largest cryptocurrencies and the majority of these holdings are in Bitcoin and Ether, which is just shy of 93%. As we discussed last week as well, um, most of the remaining holdings are in Cardano, um, but it also holds as well Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin and Chainlink. By becoming a... uh, SEC reporting company and with the additional form 10 filings that come with it, as they're called, it shows the continued uh, interest for investors to actually gain exposure in the digital asset space and uh, makes it easier for participants to actually uh, engage uh, with the asset class. And this was what the Craig Sam, their vice president of legal at Grayscale said. But also what's come out this week is how BNY Mellon are actually to provide ETF services uh, after what is an anticipated GBTC conversion. So their Bitcoin fund called GBTC, uh, they're looking to turn that into an exchange traded fund um, where they've actually requested that BNY Mellon gets involved with a number of back end roles for it. And basically what uh, BNY Mellon would end up doing is handle accounting and administrative services starting in October, which would uh, eventually morph into them being a transfer agent and uh, ETF services provider in the future. And so, you know, the reason for this um, is moving towards being an ETF would massively open up the number of people who could actually invest in the the fund itself. Right now, the GBTC fund holds $22 billion in assets. And so there's a huge scope for growth there uh, if they can convert it into an ETF. Binance's regulatory woes, again, are still ongoing. Uh, This time, they've now been dropped by the European payment uh, processor called Clear Junction. Uh, So for people in Europe who want to actually transfer funds into Binance or withdraw funds, often they use Clear Junction, who's like a transaction processor, basically. And this was off the back of the UK's financial watchdog. Uh, the Financial Conduct Authority, or FCA, uh, issuing a consumer warning against Binance Markets Limited. And so what Clear Junction have said is that they want to act in full compliance with FCA regulations and guidance in regards to handling payments of Binance. Now, the important thing to remember here is that it's not that using Binance in the UK is illegal or the FCA have said that's not possible. What they have said is that Binance can't offer financial products in the UK for this. So it's not. it doesn't mean people can't actually use the service that's located overseas, which their exchange is. However, the caveat for companies like Clear Junction is that they come under the um, you know the, the watchful eye of the Financial Conduct Authority, and so it kind of makes sense for these sorts of companies providing these auxiliary services to actually pay heed to what the regulators are, are advising and their kind of temperament there, because ultimately it could spell problems for them down the line with the, the core sort of services uh, that, that they want to offer. With this backdrop, though. However, Visa and MasterCard have acknowledged that they're still going to continue with their um, partnerships with Binance despite the ongoing concerns. Visa have said that they're still in um, dialogue with Binance and uh, MasterCard noted that uh, they're interested to see how the exchange reacts to the regulatory scrutiny. What Visa and MasterCard are being used for is um, for actually people funding their Binance accounts um, using these these payment rails as well. So no doubt they're a nice 
a source of revenue as well for these companies. The Italian regulator, well, it's the securities regulator, Consob, uh, they've actually issued a warning against Binance as well, saying that the crypto exchange is unauthorized to operate in the country. Um, and this is kind of in a similar you know, vein to what other regulators have said, is that they can't offer investment services and these sorts of activities. What they have also said is that some of this affects Binance.com as well. Um, and so, you know, certain things like derivatives and stock tokens are in, in Italian um, on the Binance website. And so this does um, potentially have some issues there, but uh, it doesn't directly impact uh, being able to use the services as such on the website. Finally, they've also come under fire from the Hong Kong regulator as well. What they've basically said is they're not going to support these uh, these tokens that are linked to stocks, uh, which they literally released about three months ago on the platform. They've stopped making enabling people to actually buy new ones now. It was one of these things that uh, regulators just are uh, not, not really getting behind. And so um, and I think, you know, coming from Hong Kong as well, um, it's certainly the first of, you know, noise we've heard from the, the Hong Kong regulator about Binance's activity. So we'll see if it's limited just to this. Square, the payments uh, platform, have uh, said that they're going to create a new business focused on creating an open developer platform to make it easier to provide non-custodial decentralized financial services. Uh, this is what Jack Dorsey, the founder and CEO of the company, said in a series of tweets. And he said that this primary focus would be on Bitcoin. What's fascinating here is that you know, Jack Dorsey has been a big proponent of Bitcoin for a long time. However, with um, this specific initiative, they're looking at ways in which you can create a DeFi ecosystem around Bitcoin. And DeFi right now very heavily revolves around the Ethereum ecosystem because of its programmability capabilities. And so Square getting behind it, trying to invest more in uh, Bitcoin is definitely an interesting proposition. They're using something called the Lightning Development Kit, and um, they're, they're going to be you know, obviously pushing hard, hard into this as well. So it'll definitely be one to watch. But whether it can actually you know, affect uh, Ethereum's position in DeFi here, of course, remains to be seen. Fidelity Digital Assets, they're planning to increase their headcount as well in the company just because of ongoing institutional interest in cryptocurrencies. They've said that they're planning on hiring as many as 100 employees to actually help bolster their cryptocurrency projects. Uh, this has been reported by Bloomberg. Apparently, they're looking to hire new employees in Dublin, Boston, and Salt Lake City offices as well. Cryptocurrencies other than Bitcoin would be the main focus of this um, Ether being a big one um, because they've seen a lot of interest in uh, Ethereum um, off the back of its all-time high reached in May. Uh, but they're also looking to increase you know, how much crypto trading they, they, they provide as well. The uh, S&P Dow Jones, they've launched five more crypto indices. Uh, la last week, we mentioned about them you know, having created some crypto ind indices. And now they've, uh, they've got one that's called the Broad Digital Market or BDM uh, index, which is over 240 coins. Again, it's still not clear exactly which coins are in it, but they say it's a broad snapshot of the, the crypto market. In Australia, uh, Visa is uh, set to approve the first card over there for actually spending uh, Bitcoin, a, a startup created by a couple of of uh, uh, university graduates, um, they've, they've certified crypto spend where they want to actually issue a physical debit card to facilitate crypto payments. The, the intent here is that people can use these cards to actually pay at retail establishments and hospitality venues with, with Bitcoin. However, what they can't do with this platform is actually make direct purchases instead of converting to the, the crypto to fiat, which of course is, is one of the things that typically happens at this point with these payment services, i.e. They, they convert to fiat to, at the point of uh, payment. In Brazil, their SEC have actually approved uh, South America 
America's first ETF. So the Brazilian Securities Commission or CVM has authorized the first ETF in Latin America that tracks the performance of the Ether cryptocurrency. And so this is following suite with a number of different regulatory jurisdictions. We've seen quite a few ETFs have been launched in Canada in recent months and uh, unfortunately nothing yet in North America. But certainly, you know, just having this launched in Latin America is just it shows, shows the broader appetite there is for these products. PayPal as well this week, they've uh, increased their weekly limit on crypto purchases for users of the platform to $100,000. Previously, it was at $20,000. So the you know the, the intent here is that they've obviously seen a lot of demand from their users to actually um, go go beyond that limits, whether that's for trading or other things. What wasn't reported. The point is, it shows that they're just you know, embracing the the cryptocurrencies more and more. Over in enterprise news, that the responsible Mika initiative uh, and the blockchain-based uh, traceability platform TCAL announced the solution to enhance the traceability of Mika, which is a mineral dust that's found in makeup products, uh, insulation cables, uh, and cement. The responsible Mika initiative uh, have been mapping the Mika supply chain in India since 2017, but it's been very manual and labor-intensive. And so um, this Paris-based uh, uh, NGO, uh, which has got a number of leading firms including L'Oreal, H&M and Porsche. Uh, they want to use TCAL's blockchain technology to create end-to-end real-time traceability platform for this. The, the hope here is that uh, it'll enable our, the RMI to verify the supply chain of its members and it will equip them with all the information they need to re- implement responsible work, workplace practices. Um, as well, one of the risks there is that um, you know, the, in the supply chain, it's susceptible to things like child labor, which obviously um, people don't want to be seeing in there. In Australia, again, uh, the government has granted uh, four million, just over $4 million to a couple of pilot projects there uh, to study the capabilities of blockchain in supply chain. The intent here is that the research will help ease regulatory compliance burdens. It, it invested here in Everle- Everledger and the tech consultancy um, convergence.tech. The intent, of course, is to increase the competitiveness of Australia's um, technology offerings, but also minerals and food beverage sectors here. Moving on to protocols, uh, the Ethereum money streaming protocol Superfluid has uh, raised $9 million in its seed funding round. It included backing from Multicoin, um, but also participants from Semantic, the DeFi Alliance, Divergence Ventures, and others. This injection will help Superfluid grow its its team and uh, build an ecosystem of real-time financial uh, um, applications. And so this is where they want to be able to do things like include subscription payments, salaries, and rewards, and so on with singular on-chain transactions to support this. Band Protocol as well have uh, announced they've gone live with their, the next generation of their protocol called Bandchain um, 2. And so they're actually built on top of the Cosmos blockchain. Cosmos is one of the leading interoperability protocols. You know, what they want to do is make it easy for data providers to run nodes themselves rather than have intermediaries uh, acquire the data, which is what um, other Oracle services like uh, Chainlink do as such. And so the, the, the push here is to be more transparent and more decentralized. Um, which is what other data services like API 3, uh, which we discussed previously transitioning to a DAO, um, have actually done there. They've got partnerships that they're working on with uh, Google, Microsoft and uh, Bloomberg. Um, so again, it'll be in- interesting to see how they go, but also they've joined the Open API initiative too, which um, certainly position- will position them well for enterprises. Cardano have uh, expanded their testnet support and added support for smart contracts. They've carried out this hard fork and upgraded its testnet from Alonzo Blue to Alonzo White. 
Uh, this this phase will run for two to four weeks before Cardano moves on to the next phase. And so you know, one of one of the key things with Cardano, um, although it's grown significantly as an actual platform in terms of popularity, they haven't uh, released on their production network yet their their smart contract platform. And so once this gets live, it will greatly increase the appeal of their ecosystem because people will actually be able to have smart contracts, uh, you know, based decentralized applications running on top of it. Uh, so so with this upgrade they're actually allowing about 500 validators and state pool operators and developers test out the features uh, and and then the next up the final part of the upgrade would actually due to be taking place in September 2021 in DeFi the ethereum DeFi ecosystem has actually hit 3 million users now so this number came from uh, June analytics uh, where they looked at the number of unique addresses that were interacting with DeFi and uh, that uh, as of July the 13th that has uh, hit hit uh, um, over 3 million um, and they were looking at one of 24 different applications that they were tracking by the platform. What's interesting here certainly is because there's there was you know obviously a big crash um, of prices in May, uh, the D DeFi adoption has continued to see exponential uh, growth during this time. It apparently it took uh, approximately 11 months for the number of unique addresses to grow from 100,000 to 1 million, um, but the subsequent growth has been at even faster uh, intervals as well. So going from 1 to 2 million took 142 days, whereas the jump from 2 to 3 took only 78. So it's, it's fascinating to see this growth. Uniswap as well, they've uh, we, we mentioned previously about this, they were planning to make this move. Um, for on, in terms of uh, running on top of a layer two platform to enable them to scale more uh, and that they've, they've said they've said that they're now doing their alpha launch on optimism so um, Op optimism's one of the leading um, layer two scaling protocols like polygon it enables uh, teams to actually get a much higher transaction throughput um, with that's, that's kind of linked to the main ethereum network however um, optimism um, you know they've been talking about the the launch happening in July whereas uh, polygon uh, they're obviously they're live and um, have you know moved faster than optimism in terms of just getting traction there um, but uh, uniswap is one of the few protocols that has now been uh, deployed to it and um, you know what will happen here is that transactions will confirm instantly so there won't be this whole thing of waiting 30 seconds or so um, you know sometimes it's a bit faster for a trade to actually go through on the platform so it's bound to be very popular this move, move here as well and uh, the, the other thing here is that apparently Uniswap is currently the biggest consumer of gas on Ethereum uh, and so certainly you know by addressing this issue of the, the gas fees but also the amount of gas they're using it all um, you know benefit it all it will certainly from the point of view of users it will mean they have to pay less for their transactions also they happen a lot faster also um, it'll mean that Uniswap users have to spend less on it as well. Then mentioning the Polygon network as well, um, a, a project called DinoSwap has uh, raised $4.7 million. They're positioning themselves to be the next pancake swap, but on uh, their, the, the Polygon uh, platform. And so the, the key thing here to watch is uh, whether you know how much uh, the, the total value that gets locked on the platform, um, but it, it could certainly end up being like the main platform to earn yield on Polygon if it uh, gets, gets large enough there. So it'll definitely be one to watch. Fireblock, 
blocks as well. Uh, the, the asset management and crypto cu custody platform have integrated Polygon into their cybersecurity and asset management tools. Now, we mentioned previously about how Aave had actually provided support on Polygon uh, and also that they were using Fireblocks for their KYC on their, their institutional um, platform as well. So it, I guess there's no surprises there that they're, they're doing this. Well, what it basically means is that uh, major funds and institutions will have kind of what they need to interface with the blockchains in terms of security and regulatory compliance. So this support for Polygon is, is kind of a key building block for that, uh, especially when you look at it within the context of uh, the, the, the Aave Pro platform that we spoke about last week. Moving on to NFT news, the Los Angeles Dodgers are, are auctioning an NFT with a physical World Series ring. Uh, the, the LA Dodgers, uh, they, they're the reigning champions from the 2020 baseball season, announced that they'd auction a physical World Series ring as part of a platform with a single edition non-fungible token crypto collectible. It also uh, includes the opportunity to throw a first pitch at a game at the Dodgers Stadium in LA, uh, as well as have tickets to that game. In addition to this uh, bundle, the Dodgers are off offering a common open edition NFT during the same time span, which is available for $20 with all proceeds going to uh, the same charity as the, the, the main NFT bundle. The winners of the, the Twitter NFT giveaway have formed a group to uh, retain their value and they've come together to form an organization with the goal of maximizing the value of their new collectibles. The group has all, uh, nearly 50 of the Twitter NFT owners um, and as well as uh, representatives from Twitter itself. And uh, so because some of the owners have actually sold their pieces while others have held on to them. And uh, what, what they want to do is they're talking about doing is potentially forming a DAO so that there's a way for people to engage with that there. Mark Cuban's uh, nifty social marketplace for NFTs uh, has launched with a new line of NFTs based on the movie Space Jam, A New Legacy, and also has a $10 million seed round which has got a lot of big name investors behind it. And of course, no surprise given who Mark Cuban is that uh, they were able to get that. This is ties in with the new um, Space Jam sequel. Um, for those of you who remember sort of 20, probably 20, 30 years ago, there was a Space Jam movie and they've, they've created this uh, and they've got the, the NFT to go along with it. So uh, it, it's certainly fun to see like how they're deciding to do these these tie-ins of NFTs with uh, these, these uh, movies and so on that are coming out. Uh, American Express as well, they're offering an NFT in collaboration with a singer called Scissor, um, which is exclusive to American Express card holders, and they're priced at $100 each. Each of the tokens is a single limited edition, and they can also be resold in secondary marketplaces as well. And then uh, Damien Hurst, we spoke previously about he was planning to launch an NFT with, um, with Palm, the NFT blockchain platform that's been spun out by Consensus. So Damien Hurst listed um, his this project, The Currency, in collaboration with, with Palm. And so what, what he's actually doing here is uh, he's giving by is the opportunity to purchase copies of these um these images for $2,000, but there's a social experiment element to it whereby buyers, um, for the $2,000, they either get the the piece of art or an NFT. They can't have both, so they need to decide whether either they they go with the NFT and then the actual piece of art that um, gets burnt, or they keep the art and then the NFT gets burnt. The actual art itself is um, a series of 10,000 of his widely recognized spot paintings, which are on, uh, signed in watermark sheets of A4 paper, uh, along with digital watermarks in the form of NFTs on a blockchain. 
um, and these are selling for two thousand dollars each. So it's it's going to be a, you know fascinating to see uh, you know the response from people who actually invest in this because no doubt it's going to be very popular. But whether they decide to actually go with one of the sheets of A4 or go with the NFT, um, it's, it's, it's a fascinating experiment. Uh, the fantasy soccer NFT platform Serare apparently is closing in on uh, five hundred thirty-two million dollars in funding. Uh, this is a French NFT-based soccer trading card card game, um, which is uh, attracting a valuation of three point eight billion. Uh, and this latest funding round is expected to be led by uh, the Japanese telecoms giant SoftBank. Uh, as, as well as some other leading VC firms. Although there, there are question marks, of course, over the actual the popularity of NFTs and you know what, how big the market is. I mean, seeing some of the valuations that are happening here, it's uh, you know it is incredible. If you think about Circle that we mentioned last week, uh, who provide the USDC stablecoin, you've you've got kind of these, these similar things where there's there's some very attractive valuations for certain companies who do who are doing very well in the space. Uh, also Dolce and Gabbana they're looking to launch an exclusive NFT collection uh, in collaboration with UNXD which is a digital marketplace powered by the Polygon network and they're looking to become an exclusive marketplace for digital luxury and culture. Uh, the first concept in the collection is inspired by uh, a, um, a dream by the, the designers Dolce and Gabbana and if other NFTs will be um, uh, released in, in due course um, and be exclusively auctioned on the platform. We also mentioned previously about Signum and they've teamed up with uh, art investment firm Artimundi to offer fractionalized ownership and shares in a Pablo Picasso painting for $6,000 and these will represent ownership of over $3.68 million Picasso painting. So that's that's all we have in terms of the news. Moving on to our metrics, this crypto market cap this week is down almost 9% to $1.3 trillion. Assets locked in DeFi have stayed roughly constant, just just shy of 55 billion. The seven-day NFT sales uh, are up 172%, so 67 million dollars worth, with an average price up 30% of uh, $1,300. That's all we have for this week. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. Links to all items discussed are available in the show notes and on our website, weekinblockchain.com. We've also launched a brand new podcast called Blockchain Innovators, where I speak to individuals who've made significant contributions to the blockchain ecosystem. Find out what inspires these innovators, get their thoughts on the latest industry news and events spanning crypto, blockchain, protocols, DeFi, NFTs, DAOs, and IoT. The podcast is available at, uh, all, on all the usual platforms and our YouTube channel and uh, via the website podcast.web3labs.com. Thanks, and I'll see you next week.